As the official healthcare provider of Minnesota United, Alina Health is focused on keeping our loons in top condition. And with expertise in orthopedics, sports medicine, heart care, and more, Alina has the team to keep your family in the game too. The experts at Alina Health take the time to get to know you as a whole person, helping you achieve wellness for your mind, body, and spirit. It's an altogether better kind of healthcare. Learn more at alinahealth.org. Everybody and welcome to Sound of the Loons presented by Alina Health. And we have another absolutely gorgeous day in the state of Minnesota. But we're going to find out what it's uh, what it's like in elsewhere in the United States. But first and foremost, I just another fabulous day to talk about Minnesota United Soccer and all its forms and fashion. So I get to be joined by the one and the only Tani Olawashe, who I feel like there's got to be only one of you in the world. That's a pretty a pretty unique name. How are you doing? I feel like I haven't seen you since you got not seen you but talked to you on a podcast since you got drafted and you did like a special forum with the season ticket members and all those all those folks so how are you doing i know i'm good i think it's been quite the journey since then you know a lot of ups and downs like in every professional career but you know it's one of those things where you just the more you do the more you learn and the better you are for it so it's been a year almost two years now of just learning and just you know trying to be the best player i can be so tell everyone where you're at right at this moment. I, we're we're going to dive into San Antonio and, and the loan and whatnot, but where are you at? And and just like, how are you adapting to life in San Antonio? What's that been like for you? Yeah, no, I'm in San Antonio. been here since I think end of April or May. So I think I've had a lot of time to, you know, adjust into life here and everything that I'm doing here. Once the routine gets set, it's makes a lot of things really easy. You know, when I first got here, it wasn't, there's always an adjustment process with anything with a big move like that. When you're moving from one state to the other, new apartment, new everything. So there's always that little adjustment period. But once that was over, then everything's kind of been just pretty much smooth sailing since. Yeah. Well, I want to go back even to when you were drafted coming out of college, you know, you had dealt with some injuries in college, but Minnesota United had confidence and faith in, in picking you. And then you came in, of course, you're part of the first team stuff. You know, there's a lot going on. You're trying to get your feet wet in your professional career. And then all of a sudden you're here for a bit and then you go on loan. And now you've had an insane amount of success with San Antonio's, which we'll get to that as well. But what's that process been like for you? Was it what you thought it was going to be? Did you temper your expectations when you got drafted? Just knowing it's not, it, you know, it's not an easy path. It's going to, you know, no path is linear, right? Everybody's career path can go up, down and sideways to get to where you want to be at the end. So what was that journey like for you mentally, uh, emotionally, physically, all of it? Truthfully, my, the, my first two years as a pro has gone nothing like I thought it was going to go. <laughs> I think we all come in with just having confidence in ourselves and our ability and what we can do and, the reason that we're even in this position is because we've had so much success as players up until that point. So, you know, when you get to that next level, you have, I've had the same dreams and aspirations since I was probably five years old. 
And when you finally get there and things aren't looking the way that you thought they would, like coming into my rookie year, I came in off a of surgery, my freshman, uh, my senior year in college. So that already put me a little bit behind in terms of like, you know, fitness level or just where I needed to be in order to, you know, help the team out. So it was a slow start for me, but you know, it never really got going my first year because it was just one injury after another. I, I pulled my hamstring three times, the exact same one. So there was just a lot of me rehabbing. And I think last year was the biggest point in my life where I had to, I realized how important the mental side of things are because up until then, when things are going good, you know, you might be down for a little bit and then something good happens and then you're back on top. But it was such a prolonged period where I personally just had to one, do some self-reflection to just get some help from outside sources to kind of help me through that and work through the things that weren't going right. And just try and help me keep a good head on my shoulders for whatever, whatever being a pro was going to bring, you know? And, you know, I was lucky enough to get my option picked up and I came into preseason ready to go. I spent all of the off season, you know, working, running, doing all the things that you, we need to do. And, you know, I came in, I think I had a pretty good preseason. You got a couple goals here and there, but again, the, the game that we play, it's it, everyone, it's never fair to anyone or it's never, you know, what you think it's going to be. So for me, it was coming in. I worked hard. I did my part, but there's a lot of other moving parts that you have to take into account. So um had a few conversations with uh, the gaff and he just kind of thought it'd be better for me at this point, especially considering my first year, I only played, I think, 10 games, even with the second team. So he thought it'd be important for me to go get games at a good level where, you know, I'm going to be playing game in, game out, and I can just continue to grow as a player. And that's when the San Antonio move kind of materialized. And, you know, at first, I won't lie, I wasn't thrilled about it. Like, I don't think anyone would be thrilled about it. But, you know, I just had to pivot as quickly as possible and shift my focus to San Antonio and getting as much success as I possibly can while I'm here. And I hit, I came here and I hit the ground running and just been trying to just continue to be a good player, good teammate, and whatever the team needs and just competing for a championship here. I love a, a couple things that you said there. First of all, the fact that it was nothing what you thought it was going to be because you're right. You're absolutely right. To get into the position, to even be drafted, A, you've had a lot of confidence along the way because you have to, to get to where you're at, right? And B, you've had a lot of success along the way to feel like I won't even want to enter the draft and I want to be a professional at this stage in your life. And it takes an incredible amount of hard work, dedication, time, hours, sacrifice, go down the list, you name it. The second thing is just the fact that the, the mental aspect of things, which I love that we focus on that so much now, not that it's, you know, it's, uh, it's not, it's, it's not, a it, that we call it mental health and mental awareness rather than being mental illness, because I feel like people get this weird perspective. And I mean, we, we have this conversation in life all the time, whether it's you're an athlete, whatever your career is, whether it's a relationship, whether it's yourself as an individual, that just having outside conversations and help from people in different ways to navigate things is so important. We've talked to a lot of MNUFC two players and Academy kids on this podcast. And I feel like that resonates a lot with these younger players, knowing that there is no one path be it's okay to not be okay. And whether that just means you had a bad practice and you're down or whether that means there's something more going on, right. Pivoting and adjusting to these things in life. Yeah. And I think definitely in terms of, you know, the mental aspect that we've talked about a little bit, it was 
my senior year in college where I didn't and then it kind of got amplified a little bit more when I went pro how important that is because till that point it was just kind of brush things under the rug oh you'll be fine you'll be fine but when it becomes kind of like a constant thing and you realize that you feel yourself going to a place where you don't want to go to that's when I kind of had to take a step back and think okay well you've done it in college I my senior year after I you know did my I dislocated my kneecap. I went to see our sports psychologist there and he helped me inc- incredibly to throughout my senior year. And, you know, coming into Minnesota, again, you have the goals, the aspirations, what you think things are going to go. And then when it goes, when it doesn't go that way, then it's time to, you know, figure things out. And for me, it took me a couple months, honestly, before I was like, okay, like I'm definitely not okay. And I need to go speak to somebody. And I think that was the best thing I did because from then on, you know, you get these little tools and stuff to help you work on everyday life, just going through things like the same things you do every day, but just better ways to handle things, better ways to handle situations. And the more I played the game, the more I realized that it's probably 60% mental, whether it's like the way you play, just being a, like a smart player overall, or just the mentality, you know, playing with confidence, a player with confidence and a player without confidence, completely different, two different players. You know, and I got to a point where I didn't truly recognize myself as a player. Like, like we said, like you've had a lot of, I've had a lot of success leading up to this point. And there were times where I was truly fully, fully doubting my abilities as a player and thinking how long was I going to last in this game? So, and I think every player at some point has probably gone through that, you know, just a little bit of doubt on who you are as a player. And if you have, you know, the skill set to make it at this level, but I think with the, I went to go see um, another sports psychologist through Minnesota and then also my parents as well, just, just constantly telling me, you know, positive reinforcements and just different things Just continue to tell myself that, okay, you're at this level for a reason and you played well before it wasn't a fluke. Like you can do it again. So that's just one thing that I'm still working on until this day, you know, just trying to get in that right mindset and stay there and not there's going to be times where you you know you fall back into old habits but i try for the most part to just keep a good head on my shoulders and just always have that confidence in myself and my abilities i feel like you hear it a lot too with goal scorers i mean from a confidence perspective and how many times you see it could be the best you know goal scorer in the world if they're on a drought i mean i've done a few dc united games with christian benteke and like how he was in this slump and listening to wayne rooney talk about it who's another legendary goal scorer and once you get on that run but mentally how you can you know make it makes everything a little bit harder when you're overthinking and questioning and second guessing every touch every move every decision you make rather than just doing what you know comes naturally and what you've worked so hard hard to do. So when you got to San Antonio and you had to switch your mindset again, that this is a good spot for me to maybe get that confidence back, hone those skills again, play some games, which is just most important at this level. It's just to be getting games. You can't train every day. You switch your mindset and then clearly you have found some incredible success. So what has worked for you there? What was the team like when you arrived and and the coaching staff and, you know, being utilized in, in a way for you to be most successful and then a way that you're helping the team at the same time? Oh, the team has been honestly incredible from the moment I got here. I got here on a Friday. They had a game on the Saturday and the coaches were kind of like, hey, do you want to just be on the bench just so you can see how things work, how we play and things like that. And, you know, from that day, I walked into the locker room. Everyone was incredibly welcoming and they just made settling in that much easier because 
the locker room is honestly a lot of times the hardest part. You know, if you're in a good locker room with good guys, it makes everything a lot easier. And I, I had that in Minnesota and I had that here as well. You know, just guys who are around you, just keep, keeping you up. They know you're a young player making it up in the game and they know how it was when they were there. So they, from the jump, they said, Hey, we believe in your abilities. We know you, what your strengths are. We're going to try and play to your strengths. And my second game in, I hit a goal that honestly, between you and me, never thought I'd be able to score something like that. <laughs> it, as once that happened, a lot of that pressure that I came in with, cause I remember my first training session here was horrendous. Like I was really bad my first training session. And a couple months later, my t- I'm talking to my teammates about it. And they were like, Tanny, we thought you were terrible after that first session. And <laughs> like it, it was bad. And then, you know, we have like the why they send us this guy, what is happening? Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> you know, once that, once that first game gets out the way and we, I get the winning goal against Las Vegas, I think, um, kind of relax a little bit and it's like, okay, like I can still do this. Like this isn't foreign to me. It's what I've done my whole life. And, that happened and good things just kept happening. I've just kind of been rolling with it since. So what are your goals then for this season when you're currently with San Antonio? And then also when you get your time and you head back to Minnesota United and what have the differences been like for the, for you between the two leagues and, you know, how have you sort of viewed that? Um, I think there's a lot of talent in the USL. Honestly, I wasn't really aware of it until I got here. And the guys in my locker room are incredible. And we've played a lot of really good players who could uh, definitely put at the next level at the MLS. And for me, like my goals have just always, they've always been, as a striker, your goals are always goals. That's what they are. Just trying to get as many goals as possible for this team. You know, I'm in a position where I I'm competing for the golden boot. So I'm still aiming for that. And, but more importantly, more than anything, San Antonio won the league last year. And we have those same aspirations this year, you know, to lift another trophy, bring another one and go back to back this year. So that's kind of the biggest thing for us. You know, we got four games left in the regular season. We're hoping we can, you know, finish out strong and kind of carry a good form going into playoffs. And I would love to, you know, tap this incredible time in my life as a professional player with a championship for a city with incredible fans and just incredible people all around. So that that's definitely the goal for me. And, you know, in terms of the difference between USL and MS, I think the one thing I would say is it's a lot, it's more back and forth here a lot. Like there's a lot more of the balls moving a lot. I want to say faster, like not in terms of possession and things like that, but it's a lot more chaotic and you kind of just have mm-hmm. to deal with that chaos and find, um, moments in the game to play and when to do this, when to run in behind, when to check in, that's, I'd say is the biggest difference, you know, in the MLS, it's a lot more guys are a lot more spaced out, you know, the um, there's more of an emphasis on keeping the ball and playing and, you know, trying to be the best team. So I think those, that's probably what I'd say is the difference, but in terms of quality, there's a lot of quality here, a lot of quality players. And, you know, I think I'm a better player for have, having come here. What do you think is the biggest takeaway that you'll have, or maybe something that, you know, you didn't know you had in your, in your tool, you know, your toolbox that you've honed that craft, you've learned something new that you can bring back to Minnesota United. And then also just how much you communicate with anybody that's in in relation to the first team, whether that's other players, whether that's the staff, whether that's anybody in the front office, what's that communication like as well? I think, I think for me, like um, the one thing that I will bring back is this it's ironic, but it's the fact that I can score goals still, you know, there was, before I got here, I was fully doubting, you know, my abilities and what I was able to do on a, a football field, something I've done my whole life. And I was at a point where I wasn't doing it on a consistent basis. So I started doubting, you know, 
if I can still do this or maybe this level wasn't there for me, you know, and to get here and to be in those positions and to finish the chances that I have this season, it just kind of made me like the player I was before, you know, I lost that confidence and just to continue to believe that all these, you know, and I watch a lot of game tape. So every time I'm in a position where I've done something before, if it doesn't go right another time, I always just say to myself, Hey, you've been there before you've been in that exact same situation, you know what you have to do. So that's the, my biggest takeaway from here that, I know for a fact that I can do this at a high level and I'm just going to continue to, you know, be a better player and just continue to just improve my game in whatever aspects that, you know, is required for me. And, you know, in terms of like communication with the first team, I think a lot of the guys on the first team, like friend wise, like our teammates wise, have done a good job of checking in, you know, whether it's just, Hey, how you doing? Oh, I saw your game this weekend, things like that. Me and Hassani are really close. So we talk quite a bit actually. So we've, we, we go, we go back and forth, you know, they'll have a game. We'll talk about that. Then we'll talk about that. Then I'll ask him about GG and then we'll talk about something random Man, football season's on too. So we're big yeah. too. Yeah. So we will, we'll get a lot of conversation in, in, in that aspect. And, you know, the first team coaches and staff, they've done a good job of checking in on me every once in a while, especially like if, uh, if they've seen that, they've obviously followed my game. So if they see it, like I've had a good game, they do a good job of checking in, just making sure that I know that they're watching and they're happy to see that the loan is working and like, they want me to be able to bring that back to Minnesota. If you had any just sort of parting words of wisdom for someone that is, you know, maybe going to be drafted this next year or going to had come out of the draft, maybe they're their first year in the league, but they found themselves in a situation like you, whether it was injuries or not, what would those words of wisdom be? Because I feel like it's so good for, for people and players and athletes to hear that because sometimes it can seem a little bit hopeless or a little bit, um, you know, daunting at times when you've done this your whole life and you've had so much success and you're trying to kind of figure out, Hey, should I stick with this? Or should I find something else? I think the two things I'll say is one belief in yourself is pretty much everything. You have to truly believe that you can make it at that level. And it's one thing to believe it before getting there. It's a completely other thing to believe it when you're in the middle of it. So once you get there and there is going to be an adjustment process, there's going to be training sessions where you might be the worst player on the field. Nothing will seem to go right, but just having that kind of mindset that, okay, it's just one bad training session does not mean you're a bad player. We have six training sessions a week. If you have one bad session, that's still five out of six where you've played well. So just continuing to, you know, um, just believe in what you do, what you're bringing to the table, why they, why a team drafted you in the first place. And also just um, finding doing the little things, I'd say, you know, those training sessions where you are, you do have a really good session. You're the best player on the field, cherish that, enjoy that because you've worked hard to enjoy moments like that. And the, when you aren't getting the game time or where you're not playing or you're not in the squad or whatever it is, it's those kind of little moments that are going to keep you going, you know, up until you get your opportunity. And then the body of work that you've put in up, up until that point, you just hope that it carries on to when you get that opportunity. But I say belief in yourself is one. And then the second one is honestly just being very truthful with yourself. Cause a lot of times we like as players, we tend to lie to ourselves a lot that, Oh, I can do this. I can do that. Or I can't do this. Or I can't do that. I or it was someone else's fault or like, Hey, well, they didn't, I'm not getting the right service or yeah. this ball isn't played in the right spot or, you know, whatever the, there can always be excuses, right? There's gotta be some accountability in there. At some point as a player, you just have to, you know, see what you do well 
and just say to yourself, and this is something that I'm still working with. I just had a conversation with my dad after my last game about this, that, you know, like you can be upset that other people are doing this or that, that's not working in your favor. But as long as you do some self-reflection and you see, okay, I did this, this training session or this game, this is how I played. What did I do well? What did I not do well? And if you break those things down and you're just really brutally honest with yourself, when you start improving those things, you'll see a lot of things change for you. And that's kind of one. And there's like a quote from Robin Van Persie that I saw not too long ago. He was talking to his son and his son was complaining after a game. And he just said to him straight up, like, dude, you can't keep blaming other people for your, at some point you're going to have to like look in the mirror and say, okay, well, regardless of what anyone else does, I wasn't perfect on the day to what can I work on? And once you get a control of your life and what you're doing, it takes you a long way. That's awesome. I appreciate you checking in with us. I love it. I think that there's so many players out there that, you know, love to hear from players like yourself and the path and the journey that you've taken. And then others, as I said, we've talked to a lot of the twos and a lot of the academy kids. And I just feel like everybody's at a different spot in their journey and not everybody's going to make it to the professional ranks or even getting drafted, but there's different levels along the way. And it's really just about like, you know, the life lessons of, of um, having passion for something and working hard to get somewhere. And I think that does, that bodes well for any career path that people, that people take at the end of the day, we, you're very lucky in that you get to be a professional athlete, but there's all sorts of things out there for everybody. So I appreciate you taking the time to check in. And I just want to give you a little credit because we get to see the highlights that show up on Twitter when you score the goals and all that. But I know that, you know, it's so much more than just scoring the goals. And I think that's what sometimes gets missed. It's like, well, we do our player to watch each week. Everyone wants it. The producers always want to focus on the goal scores. I always want to focus on, and no offense, because you're a goal scorer, but I'm like, I always want to focus on the six or the eight, you know, or somebody else who's done doing some of that other stuff that never gets noticed and maybe it gets any attention. But I just know that there's so much that you do off the ball and as a teammate and the work that you put in, um, not just the goal. So I appreciate all that. And I appreciate you taking the time today. Thank you so much, Peter. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the conversation. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your week. Hopefully it's not too hot in San Antonio. And I look forward to seeing how you guys wrap up the regular season and how you guys do in the postseason as well. Thank you. Appreciate it. You take care too. Thanks, Danny. Appreciate it. Stay tuned, everybody. I got Kobe Jones coming up next in segment number two. Looking for a way to get closer to your club? For just $25, Loons fans can join the Preserve, Minnesota United's official season ticket waitlist. Waiting usually isn't fun, but this waitlist comes with benefits. Being a member of the Preserve gives you early access to MNUFC single-game tickets, partial season plans, and group tickets, as well as special pre-sales for other marquee events that come to Allianz Field. Visit mnufc.com preserve to join. Welcome back, everybody, to segment number two of Sound of the Loons, presented by Alina Health. This time I get to be joined by the one and only Kobe Jones. Last time I had the one and only Tani Olawashe, who is, as we know, a former draft pick of Minnesota United, currently with San Antonio in USL. So now I get to talk 
to a man that's been there, done that at every single level you can possibly imagine. And now we can share stories about our travel with MLS and, and Apple TV. But um, how are you now that you're fresh off the uh, the, the flight from Austin, Texas? Uh, I'm, I'm feeling and looking fresh, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm, I'm doing all right. It's, it's, it's been, it's been fun, you know, just the whole, the whole Apple situation and, and it's been an experience, you know, the travel, you know, it is, it's, it's part of the job is some, I was just talking to someone recently that had a good line for it, you know, and it's just when you're in the, basically the live sports business, this is what it's all about. You know, <laughs> you do a lot of traveling and a lot of movement. So yeah, having a good time. Yeah, it's exactly right. And I think it's it's tricky, too, because there are some people that are doing what we do currently, and then they also do other sports. So there's no technical offseason for them. They might roll right into college basketball or, or whatever it might be. So like for us, we get to kind of hone in on soccer, but at the same time, um, yeah, this MLS schedule is crazy this year. The playoffs are going to be wild. Um, it feels sort of like everybody and their mother gets to make it. It's kind of like bowl games in college football. You get a bowl and you get to go to a bowl and you get to go to a bowl. So you, you played in an era of MLS where first of all, when you played, were there, um, the, the shootouts where you like went one V one and like dribbled from halfway oh yeah i'm from i'm from the very beginning so i got to see it all okay so you got you got to experience every single bit of it so what do you make of the current state of mls and sort of this iteration purely from a schedule standpoint 29 teams i don't know if you ever thought it would get to that point knowing how this league started out and sort of how it's progressed and rallied over the years you know whereas like we had three owners i think for every team in the league back in the day what what do you make of the current iteration of mls and where we're at I, I think it's fantastic. You know, I think uh, where where we are, um, and, and look, it's from my viewpoint, right? I was there at the beginning, so I've seen it where we had a league that started out with a certain amount of teams, expanded to twelve, then you know it contracted. You know, so there's <laughs> is the league going to survive? So to go from there, you know, uh, and see where we are now, where there is where, where we have ownership groups, as you know as well as I, buying to try to be a part of MLS, you know, spending hundreds of millions, you know, that tells you, you know, that we've made it, you know, we've gotten to the point where we, and by we made it, I mean that we have, we're, we're here for the long haul, you know, there's the money behind it. There's the stadiums behind it. There's, there's the ownership, the fans, everyone is behind it. Now, can we get better? Can we, you know, adjust? Can we adapt? Yes. And, and that's, that's every league. You can always see there's little things that are happening, but the, this league now, I'm I'm I never could have dreamed it would be to, to this level where we are. And I'm excited to see, you know, the, these next 10, 15 years, you know, what really happens, because I think you add in a World Cup coming in here with MLS. I think that's really going to have that really boost that exponential growth in the fandom, especially, you know, above all the player level. It, it's a it's a it's another uh, thing that deserves a little bit of a discussion as far as just seeing. I, I always say at the beginning of MLS, we had talented players. We had great teams that could compete now, I think, very easily. If you look at those teams, it was a lot because there was so few. There were a lot of teams that had all national team players, you know, <laughs> that were all national team players in, in pretty much every position. I think the difference now that we find is that we're seeing teams that have national team players and it's that middle to lower level of talent. That has that lower bar has been raised higher, 
you know, and I think that's something that has really made the game much more enjoyable. You know, you don't see as many just like blowout games. You, know, you see them every once in a while, but you don't see as many blowout games as you used to, you know, at, at, when we talk about those first years within the league. When you get together with other MLS legends and you guys discuss, and do you ever reminisce about those days, like what that was like? And we can talk about, you know, some of the goofy uniforms back then and how everybody was wearing baggy shorts and baggy shirts and all this stuff. But what do you guys, what do you guys talk about when you, cause there's a lot of you that are still in this business or in this circle. It's hard to get out of the soccer circle. Once you've been in the soccer circle, especially the level you've been at. So what do you guys discuss when you end up at some of these gatherings? I'm sure Mr. Don Garber gets you together every once in a while at, you know, the legends game and whatnot. Yeah. Well, first and foremost, we talk about, we wish we had the DP contracts back then. Like <laughs> right. First and foremost, let's be honest. That, that, <laughs> you might that, not be working right now if you had that DP contract back then. You could be retired. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I, I would probably be, I'd be on a beach in, uh, in the Caribbean somewhere right now. <laughs> you know, with my with my Apple TV, so I could just, yeah, see it. Yeah, yes. my phone. There you, you could go. just stream it. There you, you go. Yeah. Anywhere. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, we get together. We talk about a variety of things. In all honesty, that is one of them that we talk about. We do talk about, you mentioned about the uniforms, how they were different, <laughs> but not so much the the craziness of uniforms, because I think you still see that somewhat today. But I would say, it, like, the bagginess of, like, the jerseys and stuff. And when they would, we would sweat in them, you know, you got an extra five pounds on you. <laughs> and you're just going like, man, I would have been. Like it's so much faster if I had like it's like a parachute. It's like a there. parachute on you. Like you already were, were so fast, but you get really moving and that thing just like blows up. Oh, yeah, it just exactly <laughs> would blow out. You know, it's a, it, it was hilarious. No, but you know, besides you know all the all the funny things, we do talk about the progression of the league. You know, and kind of like where everybody's at now, and you know, and and as time goes on, just like the difficulties of trying to stay in touch. You know, with one another. You know, with like life and family and all these things, you know, become um, more prevalent, more important, you know, in your lives where you have to shift from the soccer so much and, and really focus on your family and friends and all those things. So those are those those are the main topics, I would say. And, and then it's really catching up, you know, catching up because another thing about this business is players come and go, you know, on teams. You know, I was fortunate to be in one spot my whole career, but it's, it's very common for a player to come in two, three years, you become good friends and then boom, they're off to another team. You know, they could be in New York, you know, for two or three years and then somewhere else. And they settle, you know, as they get older, they settle in that last spot, you know, where they're at. So you really don't see those players too much anymore. So it really is um, about trying to catch up and, you know, seeing how people are still involved, you know, within the game. When you look at, you know, just a little bit more on the current state of MLS and you talked about owners vying, I mean, there's a list, a line of owners and, and groups that want to be a part of this. And then Don Garber's kind of got this power to be like, yes, you get the team. Yes, you checked all the boxes. No, you didn't. You got to do this, this and this to be awarded a team, to deserve a team. What do you make of the soccer specific stadiums, especially now? I mean, you were working for LA Galaxy before, but now with Apple and, and MLS, you get to travel a little bit more, see a few more stadiums that maybe you wouldn't have seen otherwise when you were working and playing for one team. So what do you make of the stadiums now? And did you ever think, I mean, I think it was Columbus crew, like the first soccer specific stadium, their original one. And that was like, Oh my gosh, there's a soccer, you know, what do you make of it now? Oh, I, I think it's, I think it's fantastic uh, to see, um, just the evolving stadiums and the, and the designs and how, you know, now you actually have, you know, groups that are looking to come in and the stadiums, 
they're trying to make it as tech savvy as possible to try to, you know, garner maybe a little gratitude or whatever from Don Garber, you know, just saying, hey, look at this, look at this plan, look what we can do over here. Those are those are those are very positive things for MLS is that you see that we could have as stadiums come in, they're the latest designs on that, you know, depends on the size that you're going, but that 20 to 30,000 seat stadium and bringing in the latest technology, it allows MLS to be on the cutting edge, you know, of everything within sports. And as we've seen, that changes every single year. So I, I love to see it. You know, we go to these stadiums, you know, I've been to Austin quite a bit and seen their stadium, the Q2, and that that one, you know, it kind of blows your mind away. You know, we saw, I saw them, besides Austin, saw the national team play there. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's hard to put into words, you know, thinking back, you know, at the times where, you know, at the Galaxy, we were driving around trying to see if we could find a place to to, to train. And we would train mm-hmm. in parking lots or, or mm-hmm. beg a local university, you know, for their grounds if we use the soccer field. Now, I mean, all these stadiums, you know, soccer-specific stadiums with not only that, but soccer-specific training sites. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, this is another level that, I hope this generation of player understands, you know, I know they won't because that's just the and appreciates, you know, yeah. yeah, but they, they won't be able to appreciate it um, to the level that I can look at and appreciate. And then just last one about sort of overall about the league, you talked about some of the quality players that were there and on those teams when you played, there was no shortage of talent and even talent that had come from overseas and international but what do you think about the current state? You've probably been asked about Messi a thousand times, a million different ways, but that is like a real talking point. I mean, and I don't think I, for, I for sure don't ever get sick of watching him play, whether it's with Argentina or whether it's now with Miami, what does it mean? You think even for the league in that standpoint to have a player like that in this part of his career coming off of a world cup win to, for this league. That's the key part, what you said. Um, and a lot of people will talk about, oh, he's coming to MLS to retire. Oh, he's doing this and this. And then that, I mean, how many times have we heard that over the years, you know, about yep. But you cannot say that about Messi. You, you can't say, oh, he's washed up, he's done. This guy just won the World Cup. You know, <laughs> what was it? Now it's, what, eight, nine months ago, um, maybe a little longer. And he was the best player on the team. He literally willed that team. Yes, there are other fantastic players, but he willed that team to the victory, you know, in, in going all the way. So it, it's, it, is, it astounds me that he made the decision to come here. I love it. I think it was the best thing that could have happened, you know, for MLS and for Apple. I think they all came together to make it happen. And, and, I, and Miami is definitely reaping the benefits of it all, which is, uh, which is necessary. I think it sends, a, it sends a sign out, right? If you can get these top tier talents from, you know, from around the world to come in and and participate in MLS, you will be rewarded as a club and an organization, not only with the the jerseys and the TV and everyone watching it um, or the streaming or whichever way you want to look at it, but but you'll also be rewarded on the field. You know, that that's what it comes down to in the end. And you see in Messi, at least, and this is pure, pure just my my take on it all, he seems to be happy. You know, when I was just going to ask field. you about that. You know, yeah, he seems to mm-hmm. be happy and having a good time. It definitely helps that he brought in two of his buddies. You know, sure. of course, so he can relate. But he, it seems like a different vibe that is coming from Messi. That he seems to be enjoying it. 
you know, and I'm sure part of that has to do with himself, his friends, but also his family, you know, maybe they're mm -hmm. enjoying, you know, living in, living in Miami and the experience. I was going to ask you that because you being a, a former player yourself and having family and having kids, and there does seem to be this different joy when he plays the game and his family is attending. I remember when he scored that very first goal for Miami and he runs straight over and he hugs his kids on the sideline. Like when's the last time that probably happened to him considering who he's played for in the past and just the different situations and where the families sit. And he seems to actually have like a real sense of joy about him so much so that I think that may affect others that are thinking of, Hey, do I go to Saudi Arabia and I make a billion dollars or do I go to MLS and I still make a really good amount of money, but I have a great life with my family and we can en enjoy it because how much money do you really need at, at some point you know where Cristiano Ronaldo might be going well geez did I make the right choice here you know I've got this Bugatti and I've got this Lamborghini and 75 other cars but like can I go to Miami or somewhere else in MLS and really enjoy it yeah look that's always going to be the question that players are going to have to ask themselves if you want to if you're looking what's most important to you right is it the money is it the lifestyle but you know variety how, how where your family feels comfortable all these different things you know that that go into account. And, and right now it does seem to be like a little bit of a, a, a battle raging between the, the Saudi league and MLS and trying to attract these top tier players. I think for MLS, we may see some of the additions occur postseason, you know, within MLS, but right now you're seeing a lot of this, the, the movement within the Saudi league. We'll see what happens within at the end of this season and how MLS decides to make the moves. Cause I, I have a feeling there's going to be some teams that are going to want to try to, draw some top talent, you know, within this league. And I think it's going to be very exciting. And, and, and let's not forget as well with, with a new team coming in, you mm -hmm. know, when we talk about San Diego, they're probably already starting to make moves now, you know, <laughs> to try to adjust and be ready, you know, for this league. So I think there's going to be a lot of stuff over the next year or two. And, and, and for those players that are making decisions and for the teams, you, you can't forget it's a world cup year too. That's know? true. Coming, coming That's up true. In 26. And so that this is some good two year build out. That's when you start really planning two years out of what's going to be happening you know, during that year. So there's a lot of opportunity for teams, for players, for everybody. So what's up with the galaxy? Minnesota United faces galaxy. This is a Minnesota United podcast coming up on Wednesday and you've been a part of the LA Galaxy for a very long time, whether it's a player, as a broadcaster. What 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 do we make of this team? Because we see, speaking of good players, Ricky Pooj coming in. He can light the world on fire with his ability, with his skill. There's been so much made of Greg Vanny when he was hired. Now, is this his third season, I believe? Still not quite sure. Everybody's had some injuries. What, what do you make of LA Galaxy and where they are? And then... LAFC clearly having come in a few years ago now had, had raised the bar on that market there. But what, what do you make of them from your vantage point now? Yeah. Well, if we start out with LAFC, they've definitely raised the bar. They came in, they, they struggled for a couple of years, but then ended up making the moves, doing everything that they needed to do and winning the championship that does raise the bar. And I think that's good, you know, all the way around because it forces organizations that are nearby or competing to raise their level as well. I think the Galaxy are in the process, you know, right now, you like to say, Greg Vanny, this is his third year as coach. Um, you know, talent is coming in. You know, we've seen it, you know, the Ricky Pooch, like you said, you know, I 
I, from my perspective, I love the competitive nature. That that's what I want to see on every single player, and to be honest, on every single team. You know that that type of competitive nature. And everybody watching this knows that there's players that you can just say, yeah, they they have that bite, they have that fight, where they're they're gonna they're gonna go down swinging. You know, and that's mm-hmm. that's what Ricky Puj is. He's obviously a top talent coming in from Barcelona, and you know we've seen him uh, do some magic with his runs through the heart of defenses. You know, so he's he's the talisman with the Galaxy. You know, right now, the Galaxy have had struggles. I think the, the beginning of the season really hurt the Galaxy on how they were dropping games. And now it's a catch up situation. Can you catch up and get into that right position? You have a, I think on most teams, they have one or one or two games in hand. You know, mm-hmm. so they're still mm-hmm. in a, a decent position right outside the playoff line. Now, the problem in saying that is you have to win the games to get those points. <laughs> you know, you know that, yes. that's an issue. Everyone always says, oh, we got games in hand. Well, are you, gonna <laughs> you know, that that's what where, are you going to do with those games? Exactly. And that's where the Galaxy have to pick up some points. They have a, a I think they have four home games still. Um, and if they can get victories in the home games and yes, the ones against Minnesota you know, as well, if they can pick up points there, then they're sitting in a much better position. It just comes down to, like I said, can you do it? Now, the Galaxy have also had, as far as a, a team, a, uh, they've had the injury bug, you know, yeah. quite a bit. You know, Chicharito, you know, that, mm-hmm. that was a big one, you know, for them. Uh, Costa, over the time, had mm-hmm. gone in and out, you know, with injuries. You know, and there's been various other players, you know, Delgado in the past had injuries. And that and that has been, Brugman, a big one, you know, for the yeah. Galaxy. Those have been major major issues especially when you're talking about the spine of the team having injuries where and you know how difficult that is to try to replace that and that's where the galaxy has had to try to replace and then you had off the field issues you know as well so a bit of chaos (laughs) a bit of chaos (laughs) and trying to navigate through all of that through all that storm and get results has has been has been the issue because I think anybody would tell you it's not good enough because the Galaxy has high expectations of where they want to be within the league. And so being where they are right now, I don't think anyone there is happy about it. But, you know, they're working towards it to try to figure it out. You know, and, the issue, not a lot of time left. Not a lot of time. Well, it's funny because it feels like when the season started, we're like, oh, man, it feels like this is a long season. And then all of a sudden you get to League's Cup and you come out of League's Cup and you're like, wow, every team has like 10 or 11 games left. The season's winding down. We were just sort of joking about how there's all these playoff spots now. But what does it say if you're a team that misses out on the playoffs and there are that many spots and you're especially sort of a legendary team like the Galaxy who has spent some money, made the coaching change. There's been some upheaval in the front office. You know, the fan base has voiced their displeasure, which, you know, um, to some supporters groups, I think they've earned the right to a certain degree to demand certain things because they're putting the money and the time, the energy into the team. But also sometimes I feel like supporters groups have too much um, influence or I don't even know what the right word is. I don't want to get in trouble. I'll get hated on, but you know what I mean? There's like a, there's a happy medium because fans deserve something because uh, they put a lot of time, energy, and money into going to the games, attending, buying jerseys. I just dealt with this in Colorado, right? They, the supporter group walked out and they're displeased about the lack of investment into that club and different aspects of it. So with all those things combined, how do you quiet that noise and just focus on the field and the task at hand, whether you're Greg Vanny, you're the front office, or you're the players? You know what makes it easier? Winning. Boom. You got it right there. <laughs> 
guess what? Everybody's happy when you win. You know that. That's funny how that happens. The whole locker room is joyous, yeah, yeah, right? You know, Everybody loves it's amazing the coach. How problems disappear when you win. You know. So, yep. Um, that that that's the look. We can talk about all those things that you talked about, right? And, and they're they're all valid. They're all valid. But even if we go we go about back to the nitty gritty, the basics of what this is. This is a game that we're playing where one team is playing the other team and you've got to win the games, you know, and that that's what it's about. You win. It makes it makes the front office happy. It makes the fans happy. It makes the supporter groups happy. You know, it it, it just makes everything that much better. So it's about finding a way to put some W's on the board and, you know, getting the results and then everyone gets behind you. Yeah. There's, there's always going to be some people that, you know, that disagree and fair enough. That that's fine. Go ahead. Dis disagree, you know, show, show that you want this, that, or the other, but when it comes down to it, you know, for, for, I think Greg Vanny and, 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 the players, if they win, it makes it easier all the way. Yeah, it's just, it's funny that just I mean, I it doesn't it's not funny because it is super it is actually that simple. I mean, I can't tell you how many times you know you cover different teams in your lifetime and oh man, it's a cancerous environment in there, nothing's going right, you know, and I've covered every sport at every level. And then all of a sudden you win a couple, it's like, oh man, this guy's got the greatest game plan. He's got everything going right. You know, they're your star players looking like the star player and all the other things kind of fade into the background. Yeah. I mean, I look and I look back and, and do some comparisons. You know, I look back at that 05 galaxy team and I know that's going way back, but we, we snuck in, you know, we snuck into the playoffs, we got in and boom, we ended up one win after another, because like you said, it's a, it's a completely another tournament, you know, yep. and you get on a roll and you get on a roll that time. Boom. We, we ended up winning, you know, the MLS cup and we went, ended up winning the open cup. So we got the double. So from, the stresses of just like, oh, what's going on? What's going on? To all of a sudden, yeah, this is one of the best teams ever. We won double. You know? <laughs> it can happen like that, you know? So it's uh, it, it, it's great to talk about, but that's just the nature of, of the business that we're in. I, I do want to talk about one thing that you mentioned, the playoff format. I think that's really yes. interesting this year because I, I, I should know this. I'm not sure how the league wants to bill it, if it's nine spots <laughs> and stuff like that. But I think it's more exciting when you say there's actually – you know, there's eight playoff spots and we've got to think about that playing game because I yeah. think that's going to be really exciting, you know, to see that, that, uh, seven, eight or whatever is it, the eight, nine really battling it out and that one off, you know, to get into the playoffs. I think maybe taking a little bit of a, a hint from the NBA on how they did it, you know, but it's going to be an exciting time there. It does add, you know, more teams, you know, where you can say you, you have a chance to get into the playoffs, but, um, I'm I'm excited I'm excited about that because it gives you that that winner go home, you know mentality to really kick off things you know right away. Well, and you have to have that in that scenario because you could say that leading up to that point as much as you want. Oh, this is a must win game. Oh, this is a must win game. Oh, no, this is really a must win <laughs> must win game. And as you said, that LA Galaxy team, you get in and you never know what can happen. You just got to get in and then you never know what can happen. Who cares how you got in, what position you got in. Of course, sometimes home field advantage does make a difference if you're in the top four spots. But outside of that, you get in and anything can happen at that point. Speaking of sort of like these random surprise turnarounds, you go from barely getting in to winning it all. What do you make of FC Cincinnati? 
I mean, you'd go from like multiple wooden spoons to <laughs> where they're at now. I don't even never knew a wooden spoon thing existed until Cincinnati earned it a couple of years in a row. But what what does that tell you about this league? It 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 tells me, you know, a variety a variety of things. I think um, that there's always opportunity. That there is that parity. You know, that there's not that much difference from being a bottom team to being the top. If you just make the the right changes and the quality changes and motivate your team correctly and, and get them going. And that's why I would say for, you know, Pat Noonan, he's done a fantastic job there in really changing things around and making it into, you know, the top team, you know, that it is, you know, right now where they, they just find ways to win. They have talent, you know, in the right positions. It's a lot of hard work, you know, at, the, at those levels to get the right players in and to get the right, um, I guess, mood within the team where everybody's willing to work with one another and get things done. I think, I think it's fantastic, you know, and, and what message that sends, you know, to the other teams is that it's just one year, you know, mm -hmm. you can be at the bottom and the next you can be at the top. So it, I think it's good as far as the motivation to keep teams going and to really try to, um, you know, stay with it, you know, as you, mm -hmm. let's not have just the, the give up attitude because you, you, you never know, like we, we keep saying. And then just real quickly on Minnesota United, I should probably for sure ask you about them because, but I also am like very cognizant and you and I were talking about this, that we, we don't get the opportunity to deep dive into teams as much as we used to, because we're all over the place and trying to keep track of who's coming next. And especially with the transfer window and leagues cup and everything in the middle, it's like trying to just figure out where everybody's at and what roster they're on now. But Minnesota United, you've seen them enough for sure with your time with LA galaxy, the last six plus years um, when Minnesota came into the league, what do you make of them this year? Is there anything that surprised you about them um is there anything that's frustrated you by by the way you've seen them play over the years i mean everybody can talk about Renoso, but is there anything else in particular for you no i would say when i look at this uh minnesota team they're a very good solid team i was very surprised that at the beginning they were struggling so much and even though you said anyone can say it i have to mention it yeah what is it what I, I would say the surprising thing, everyone knows Reynoso's good, right? It surprised me the effect mm -hmm. that he had on the team that one player had since he came back, the difference in the totality of the team, you know, mm -hmm. as, as a unit. It shows me, you know, regardless of what people want to say about him negatively and positively, he affects his teammates. Mm -hmm. Somehow, some way, he gets better from them. He can do something um individually that inspires the others or he's a motivating just on his own it, it's it's really interesting to me that's that's something that i would love you know if i was if i was there i'd be able to deep dive and really look at and just go what during trainings and everything yeah. what is he doing and how he's affected this team that uh, a minnesota team that was struggling while he wasn't there but as soon as he comes back a couple of games in and all of a sudden boom 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 turning things around now how long that effect lasts, you know, who knows? Is, is it like mm -hmm. we're seeing right now with the uh, the new coach of bounce that we're seeing in certain yeah. teams like Portland or whatnot? Who knows? But but Reynoso is definitely an impact there. St. Clair and goal, you know, yeah. more props to him. I didn't know he could be a, a striker like that. Yeah, <laughs> how about that pass? I mean, that wasn't like your, like, normal <laughs> goalkeeper go up on a corner guy. That was like a nice touch and a nice I mean, pass. That's, that's what I'm saying. What a, what vision, you know, by him. The striker just, oh, yeah, there's my open guy. Boom, just pass it out like there in, in a high – 
high pressured situation. I know I was impressed by it. So if Renoso goes down with an injury, we know we can put it in as a 10. There we go. Bring him in. Bring him up. Bring him up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then just last but not least, because I know you got to get to your prep and all things, but what about the men's national team coming off of 2022, what they did in Qatar? I know the last game that they played wasn't, wasn't ideal, but you know what they made of it, bringing Greg Berhalter back, sort of the continuity in, in the next cycle. And then the big, the big thing is 2026 hosting in the United States and North America, what that means for, soccer in this country to be hosting a world cup in North America, and especially with the, the, the buildup. I mean, we talk about academies, youth system, the popularity of the sport, the women's team has always won except for this year, but what about the men's team? What does that do for youth soccer and soccer in general to be hosting in 26? It's, it's so important. Um, first, first off I'll go with, you know, the, the men's national team. Um, yeah, they, they, it was a disappointing result. I think in, in the last world cup, I think it, well, I shouldn't say disappointing. Let me rephrase that. They did what they were supposed to do, right? They got out, of, they got out, but they ended up losing. And, and you would want them to go beyond because we're talking about, uh, this is, this is for all intents and purposes, this is our golden generation, right? Yeah. <laughs> With the yes. players that we have, that we have there right now. So I'm hoping I'm not jinxing it, but it, it's perfect timing <laughs> that is 26 that these players are going to be all in their prime and it's going to be in our country as a as a host nation. And so I think for them, this is the opportunity for Burhalter as coach and for those players to do something special. <clears throat> and with that, doing something special, it leads into everything else. We talk about a World Cup and as a host nation along with Canada and Mexico. We saw exponential growth after the 94 World Cup being here. There will be exponential growth after this World Cup with the U.S. being one of the host nations. The amount of that growth, how big it will be, will, will be dependent on how well the, U, the U.S. team does. You know, Regardless, we're going to have it. So that's going to be great for just soccer in general. So that's why I really hope that the team does well because it will it explode soccer to a whole nother level within the United States. It affects uh, it, it affects adults, youth, college, club, every everything that you can think about at every level, boys, girls, everyone. Everyone gets affected by it on how these national teams do in the end, regardless of what people say. You do well, you know, there's more attention and that's that brings more focus on the sport. And that's what we need here uh, within the United States, you know, especially, you know, over you know for the for the men you know when they didn't make that world cup previously you saw a lull within u.s soccer you know and so you know thankfully the women you know came through you know and had a great cup before this one wasn't the best cup but but that's how they play off of each other you know this is Mm -hmm. that's going to be very very important to understand that there's a support base you know going back and forth i will say this and I'm sorry for the hesitation, but I want to get this right. There will be no better time for soccer in this country over the next few years. When we talk about what's going to be coming here, you talk about a club America, pardon me, a Copa America coming to the U.S. Club World Cup Mm -hmm. coming to the U.S. The World Cup coming to the U.S., 
I'm hoping a women's world cup right after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. To the U S mm-hmm. then an Olympics where we talk mm-hmm. about the U 23s going to mm-hmm. be here in the U S this is a, a, a time like we've never seen before mm-hmm. for soccer within the United States. So this is the time to be involved with this sport at, at, at any level, because we're going to see, we're going to see some pretty, pretty amazing things happening, some pretty surprising things happening, I think, as well, over the next few years. Well, and look at the bounce we got from 94, even with those terrible denim jerseys. <laughs> Don't hate on those jerseys. <laughs> You've got to still have one hanging in your closet or something, right? Or is it framed? Like, where is that bad boy? Did you auction it off maybe for like a good cause or something? I got, I got a few of those jerseys in... <laughs> In, in some bags somewhere. <laughs> hey, anything that still lives on to this day in people's memories, that, that means it did its job, right? That that made its mark. Exactly. And, I mean, those are classics. <laughs> I wonder how much those jerseys would go for now. You know, some of the signs, you know, the stripes, yeah. stripes ones, the denim ones, the red, white, it's all crazy. The how many are we going to see those? We're going to see a bunch of those, I bet you, in 26. People oh, yes. that are gonna that have those that bought those back then and then are so pumped to have it back here in North America, we are gonna see a bunch of those jerseys. And they're gonna have bragging rights because they're gonna say <laughs> we were supporting when yes. no one was caring. You yes, know? That's, that's yes, <laughs> that's legit. They are gonna wear that thing with pride because they were supporting it when you're absolutely right. When it wasn't the thing to do, um, they're gonna be supporting it. So that's gonna be pretty awesome. I'm pumped for the whole future of soccer in this country. And I know we work in it, but that doesn't matter. It's just like if you've been a part of it and you love sports in general, and especially when you see something grow the way soccer has in the United States, um, I think that it's just it's there's so much excitement about it and the passion. And once you've been in soccer, it's like you never get out. It's in some way, shape, yeah. or form. It's just, you know, how many times I go to a Minnesota United game or I run into people at a youth tournament here that either we played club with my husband and I and are still in the community, in the soccer sphere, in in, in the state of Minnesota. Like, it's just, you can't escape it. It's it's too contagious in a positive light to um, to get away from it. And I'm excited for 2026 and the buildup and then hopefully into 2027 as well. That'll be pretty awesome. And that, that'll be a, a real legit comeback year for the women um, after they got not, you know, underperformed by, by the U S women's standards. Yeah. Well, I think, I think uh, we'll see a little bit for, you know, for the women with the gold cup coming up here. Yes. So, yes. Uh, right. Now we have a women's goal. Yeah. I mean, there's too many good, too many good on. things. Yes, yes, exactly. And as our kids get older, hopefully they, they can aspire to, you know, be in one of those positions some days. And if they don't, then they'll be in the stands cheering it on and playing at the next level. So that'll be all good. That's it. No, I love it. I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you, Kobe. I'll let you get back to your boards and your next uh, travel adventure, even though you're just hot <laughs> off the plane. It's like planes, trains, and automobiles. Sometimes you just don't know what you're, what yeah, you're getting into. <laughs> back on the plane tomorrow. So we'll see. There you, there you go. All right. Thanks, Kobe. Appreciate you taking the time. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Take care. All right. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Tune in next week for another episode of Sound of the Loon is presented by Alina Health.